0: One of the things that I learned uh, pretty early on when I first moved to Scotland is that the Scots have lots of sayings. They, have, uh, they really have more sayings than a little country like that uh, really needs, in, in my opinion. But uh, when, we, when we moved there, no one said, oh, this must seem very strange to you. It must not seem like home. What can we do to make Scotland feel more like uh, the United States? Nobody did that. Curiously enough, but they were extremely welcoming. They, they wanted us to feel at home and so a lot of the people in my church and even one of my academic advisors was always uh, letting me know about these Scottish sayings that might help me uh, either make sense of it if I heard it or maybe make sense of uh, living in this different land. And The first saying that they taught me was that life is a geyser serfect. Life is a guy ser fecht. Gai is a Scots word that means very. Ser, we would know in English as sore, and fecht, of course, is fight. Life is a very sore fight. Life is a unrelenting, painful struggle. Now, if you live there, you might eventually come to appreciate why they might have that outlook on life, because it's a, generally speaking, it's a, a pretty miserable climate. Uh, and there's not much arable farmland, there's uh, not a lot of natural resources, and most of their history is defined in terms of conflicts with their neighbors to the south, the uh, country of England, and, and their informal national anthem is is a song about the one time they actually really gave them a, a good licking in, in battle in 1300 or something like that. So. Uh, Life is a guy'ster effect. That was that was uh, not an uncommon outlook, and it didn't. They didn't mean by that that life is hopeless, or that uh, there's no point in living, or that we should all throw in the towel. Uh, but it was just this is the way things are. So if you want to make progress uh, and get on with life, you need to you need to come to, to terms with this and adjust your life accordingly. Here, I I can't. It would be hard for me to imagine that becoming a common saying, certainly in Hawaii, (laughs) or uh, maybe even in the United States. I think in the United States, uh, culture tends to revolve around uh, ideas that are a little more uh, optimistic, if you want to use those terms. There's a an old-timey. Song called keep on the sunny side. There's a dark and a cloudy side of life, and there's the sunny side, too And you have to deal with the clouds every now and then but do your best to stay on the sunny side or maybe on the Stay away from the dark side of the force or something like that to use a different uh, cultural uh, Point of reference we tend to be a little we tend to be a little more optimistic that uh, we're we're in here. We're we're always just about to turn the corner, aren't we? Whatever it is we're dealing with, or there's even though it's dark, we, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, isn't there? And that's uh, that's maybe more like our outlook. But what it what it uh, brought home to me was that you, every one of us, uh, in some way or other, I think comes to some resolution in our hearts and, and lives about. What our situation is in the world? What is the reality of of life? Uh, What what are those things that we are deeply convinced of are true such that that orients my life toward the world? How how will I position myself in, in my life? What stance will I adopt as I go through life? And I can't really answer those questions without forming some view of what's true about the world and what's true about... The church. Uh, in in the church, we're always in a particular historical moment. Uh, life is life is always changing, and church life is always changing. Church is different in different parts of the world. Uh, some of us may have heard, for example, on the news this morning that uh, a Christian church in Indonesia was bombed uh, on Palm Sunday. There ahead of us time-wise, so uh, not, not everyone, not every church in throughout the world gathers under the same circumstances, faces the same reality, uh, so that uh, what what is true here is not necessarily true uh, of the life of the church in other places. And so part of our challenge is, is not just to figure out what's generally true, but uh, maybe the question: What time is it? What what is our historical moment? What's this? What's true about our church and our time in history? Uh, my own personal conviction on that, and and it's just my conviction, but it's something that uh, orients me in in ministry. Is my conviction is that the church in North America, uh, certainly the church in the United States, is going through a time of pruning. Uh, that, that we are experiencing things that may be painful at the moment and hard to adjust to, hard to adapt to, but God is, I think God is pruning his church. And the response, I would think, in, if you're in a setting, if you're in a time, a moment in history where God is at work pruning, uh, the appropriate response would be some pretty serious soul-searching, self-assessment, if, if you will, Repentance and uh, a commitment to, to new obedience. So those are those are the things that weigh upon my soul uh, week by week and, and year by year. And and yet for all of the difference in historical moments and difference in places around the world, there are there are some common threads that Christianity always speaks to. There are some common threads because the situation of the world, for all of its variety, is at, at its root uh, clear and uh, unchanging. And that's something that, that comes to us in our Scripture text this morning. Uh, can get, maybe if... There it is. Our, our Scriptures during Holy Week for the the preaching, are going to be based on uh, the prophet Isaiah, and in particular on those portions of Isaiah which are known as, or which come to us from the servant passages, or the servant songs. And our reading this morning is from Isaiah chapter 50, verses 4 through 10. And as as we read uh, these verses, what I would invite you to be thinking about is What is the the stance that's taken and what situation uh, or what what truth about the world is addressed in it that remains true in in every time and every age? The Lord has given me the tongue of those who are taught, that I may know how to sustain with the word him who is weary. Morning by morning he awakens. He awakens my ear to hear as those who are taught. The Lord has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. I turned not backward. I gave my back to those who strike, and my cheeks to those who pull out the beard. I hid not my face from disgrace and spitting. But the Lord God helps me. Therefore, I have not been disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be put to shame. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. The moth will eat them up. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys the voice of his servant? Let him who walks in darkness and has no light trust in the name of the Lord and rely on his God. Amen. When we think about our Lord Jesus, and in Holy Week, the, uh, the life of our Lord Jesus reaches its goal. Uh, his, his mission uh, for, for which he came into the world is accomplished. How did the Lord come to an, an awareness? How did the Lord come to understand his calling? I think most of us immediately go, well... After all, he was God, eternal son of God. He knows all things, so that uh, very early on, uh, and, and some, some schools of theology would say from, from the moment of, uh, of his conception even, well, he knew why he was here. He had worked that out with the Heavenly Father in, in the councils of eternity. So he comes into the world, he knows all things, but we're taught in Luke, for example, that Jesus increased in wisdom, in in understanding, and physical growth, favor with God and man. Jesus comes to understand, it's clear, his mission in life by engaging with the Scriptures, or we might phrase it this way, that that the Holy Spirit makes Jesus aware of his mission uh, in a growing way, As Jesus grows in his his grasp of the scriptures, nowhere nowhere is this made clearer than in the passages that we know from Isaiah as the the servant of the Lord passages. When Jesus came to his hometown of Nazareth, where he was raised, uh, as he had entered his public ministry, he read from Isaiah chapter 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. That's Isaiah 61. That is the servant of the Lord speaking. And earlier on in in Isaiah, in chapter 42, God the Father, or, or the Lord God says, this is my servant, I strengthen him. This is my chosen one, I delight in him. I have put my spirit on him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. As you go through uh, Isaiah from chapter 40 to the end, the servant of the Lord uh, and the Lord himself are continually speaking, uh, most commonly in the first person. If if we could uh, dramatically reenact that, we could could bring three chairs up here on the the platform, and and one could be for the Lord, and one could be for the servant, and and one could be for a narrator who, who just has a very few things to say. But uh, the Lord begins and says, let me tell you about my servant. And then the servant has his opportunities to speak. And, and he usually says something like, let me tell you what the Lord said to me. And you, you could have those, those three speakers take us through Isaiah 40 to 66. And I think we would get a little better picture of what's going on there. But Jesus comes to understand his mission as one who is uh, deeply immersed in the scriptures. And again, if you go to Luke, uh, he, he uh, stays behind and his parents aren't aware of that and they go back and they find him in the temple talking to the, the, the people who know the scriptures. And even there he has this. he says, don't you know I must be about my father's business? But he learns about his father's business in his father's house from the, the, the holy scriptures. So, that if we think of Jesus announcing to his hometown, uh, my mission is the mission of the servant of the Lord, and that that awareness comes from Isaiah, the servant passages, where the Lord God says, This is my servant, I've put my spirit upon him, he'll bring forth justice to the nations, and Jesus. Says this goes and reads Isaiah 61 where the servant speaks and says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. If we know that Jesus grounds his self-awareness in the servant texts, then his self-awareness will also include his call to suffer. His call to suffer because the servant is made known to us as the suffering servant. We'll we'll be reading through Isaiah 53 on Monday Thursday in, in the evening. Uh, Isaiah 53 is about uh, the servant of the Lord, uh, who is uh, he's a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He is uh, he is despised and rejected. There's there's nothing attractive about him and he is is abused. He's led like a lamb to the slaughter. When, after Peter and the disciples confess Jesus as Lord at Caesarea Philippi, sort of two-thirds of the way through Jesus' public ministry, Jesus begins to teach his disciples that the Son of Man must suffer and be rejected and, and be raised on the third day but they don't get it that just they don't even want to talk about it it just seems so untenable to them that this should be the destiny of the messiah but jesus is deeply committed to this jesus understands that this is his call and it's it's not simply that well he's he's god he knows everything you know there's no no question that would stump him uh, it is that as one who uh, is who humbled himself and took the form of a servant, who places himself fully in our condition such that he, he grows in his relationship to, to God in, in the same way that we are privileged to grow, but the spirit of, of God, of course, rests upon him in full measure, and there there is the... The, the mystery of the union of the divine and, and the human nature, but Jesus and the gospel writers make us to understand that he is one of us, and that he, his uh, walk with God is uh, a, a walk with God that in, in many ways is emblematic for us, and, and like that which uh, all who are called of God uh, are called to walk. So Jesus uh, reads that the servant is one who is called to suffer, And in Isaiah 50, the text which we have read, um, the suffering is anticipated in that, in Isaiah 50, the the servant lets us know that the Lord has uh, prepared him for this. So in Isaiah 53, we we read about the events of his suffering. But in Isaiah 50, the servant himself uh, lets us know uh, how, he, how he enters into a life where he is, is uh, prepared to suffer. Uh, I gave my back to those who beat me and my cheeks to those who tore out the beard. I did not hide my face from scorn and spitting. Sounds a lot like the crucifixion or the events, the uh, abuse that Jesus experienced uh, in his trial and at the hands of, of the, uh, the soldiers who put him to death. That's anticipated here in Isaiah chapter 50. But notice, notice what leads up to it. And, and this, I think, is where we, we find ourselves uh, on common ground with people of God in, in every age and common ground with this world in which we live. Notice, what, notice how the Lord gets to this place where he is willing to offer his back to the beaters and his cheeks to those who tear out the beard and those who want to spit on him. How does he arrive at that place? The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are instructed to know how to sustain the weary with the word. He awakens me each morning. He awakens my ear to listen like those being instructed. The Lord God has opened my ear and I was not rebellious. He has come to this place as one whom God is preparing to speak a word to the weary. The Lord God has given me the tongue of those who are instructed to know how to sustain the weary with a word. That that phrase weary, you find that in Isaiah 40, at the the end of of chapter 40, where that, that whole section is introduced. The Lord God, the creator of heaven and earth, have you not heard about him? He does not grow weary. He does not not grow faint. But in fact, he is the Lord Lord who, who gives strength to the weary and who gives power to the powerless. Young men may grow weary and youths may stumble and fall. Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. And of course, the opening of all that is comfort, comfort my people. And I think that's that's the the servant of the Lord giving his opening speech before, before he's introduced more fully as that section of Isaiah unrolls. The Lord has given me the tongue of those who are instructed to know how to sustain the weary with a word. And it it was a lesson to be learned. Hebrews says the Lord Jesus learned obedience. The Lord Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. And as the servant describes his experience, he says, Every day the Lord woke me up and he had something to teach me. He opened my ear, because the servant of the Lord is, like Isaiah, is sent to a people who will not listen, who will keep on listening, but not hear, not understand. But here is the servant of the Lord, and unlike this rebellious nation, the the Lord wakes him up, and the Lord opens his ear, and every day teaches him about his calling, teaches him about what faithfulness looks like, teaches him that, that faithfulness will stretch him, will take him into more difficult lessons to learn. And every day, uh, the idea of morning by morning it, it suggests that this was, a, this was a lesson that had to be repeated. This was a lesson that had to be unfolded. It wasn't something, uh, certainly, uh, and I'm, I'm, you know, I don't know when you folks read the Bible or have your quiet time, very often we think, you know, my quiet time, I, I get up, I have those moments in Scripture, and those, that's, those, are my, you know, those are the moments that inspire me to get through the day. Um, morning by morning, he's given a lesson that's hard to learn. He's given a lesson that he has to lean into. He's given a lesson that, that may be so difficult it has to be given little bits at a time until it sinks in. And out of that out of that willingness to say, okay, well, this sounds hard, but I will do it. I will, I will not harden my heart against this word that the Lord gives me that's, that's hard for me. Out of that, uh, he, he comes to the place where he's willing to accept abuse and to accept it as, as one who trusts in the Lord. The servant of the Lord is one uh, who comes to the place where he says... Uh, Who among you walks in darkness and has no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord. Let him lean on his God. There are are times in life when you come to that place and there is no, oh, I see the light at the end of the tunnel. Oh, I, I can see that we've just about turned the corner on this. What is true is that it seems like it is dark and that there is no light. And the servant says, even then, even then, I will trust in the name of the Lord and I will lean on my God. What could be a better description of our Lord Jesus on the cross who uh, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But God is still my God. I am still crying out to him. This is where this is where Holy Week takes us. And when you think of this this immediate purpose, the Lord has given me the, the tongue of the instructed. That word instructed there is actually the Hebrew word in Isaiah for disciples. The Lord has given me a, the tongue of a disciple. Some translations, I think the RSV and the new RSV translated as the Lord has given me a, the tongue of a teacher. And you that would be... Um, But in in Hebrew, the Hebrew Hebrew Bible was written. There's no vowels, Uh, so it's it's all consonants, and you have to the reader has to supply the vowels. There is the 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 strongest tradition of the vowels that are supplied uh, is one that would for this word would be those who are taught. But those same consonants could be rendered as the one who teaches. And you can understand why the RSV or why some translations would say the Lord has given me the tongue of a teacher because isn't the teacher the one who speaks? But here, it's, I think the, uh, the traditional uh, placing of the vowels is the one to be trusted because it is it is out of this experience of listening and listening and being open to this hard word and and carrying through on it, that the servant is brought to the place where he can say what brings comfort, where he can speak a word into our hearts and lives that resonates even in in deep darkness. What is the situation that does not change? We live in a lost and broken world. We live in a lost and broken world, and that will not change until the Lord makes all things new. So what do we do? Do we despair? It's a lost and broken world. It can't be fixed. It is a lost and broken world so loved by God. God still loves the world. God sent his son into the world. There is, and because of that, there is comfort to be found even now. Now. in the midst of life and death, we have, as the Heidelberg Catechism says, we have this one and only comfort that we belong to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ, who has fully paid for all, all our sins. So that although this world is lost and broken, and I am broken, there is a word that sustains me. It's a word of comfort. Comfort is provisional. Comfort isn't, comfort isn't the final deal. Um, Comfort is genuine help, but it's provisional help. It's for the present time, enabling us to to get up and to pluck up courage and to face each new day, knowing that the Lord Jesus has said to us, your sins are forgiven. Knowing that the Lord Jesus has said to us, peace be with you. Knowing that the Lord Jesus has said to us, Fear not, I have overcome all this. That has never changed. And that will never change until Christ comes again. That he speaks a word of comfort. And I believe it also suggests to us the possibility that as we rise morning by morning and hear God's word day by day and hearing it calling us to harder places, that if we do not turn our backs on that, but let God walk us into those harder places of obedience that we will become the kind of people who will know how to say a word to the weary that God will use to bring the same consolation and the same hope. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for the one who, though he was in the form of God, set that aside and took the form of a servant. And as uh, the servant, he not only offers a sacrifice that atones for our sins, that he not only deals with the forensic side of of our existence, that he not only simply provides a plan by which we can be saved, but we thank you that he, uh, through his suffering, is the faithful high priest who is able to sympathize with us in all our weaknesses, who is able to speak to us uh, in our hearts as we sit before him and in our congregations as we sit under his word, that uh, whatever it is that burdens us, whatever it is that wearies us, he says, come to me and you will find rest for your souls. Help us, Lord Jesus to continue to come for him, to him, to hear that word of rest and renewal. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.